the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team Tidy Business, baby. Staff and Grab Podcast. Uh, obviously, I'm Mike Stevens. This is the future first female GM in NHL. Future first female GM in NHL history, Rachel Dory. Saying that fast is hard. Um, and this is our this is our Pacific uh, preview or Pacific Division preview. It's also, I think, our last virtual podcast, and we'll uh, we'll get into that <laughs> in a little bit. Ooh, um, well, Rachel. Before we get started, um, I want to ask, uh, or I, not ask, but I just want to talk or, or vent a little bit um, in that if you paid me $131 million to do a job, and then mm-hmm. when I need it, and then when that job needed to be done, you replaced me with someone else, would that be a good investment? Uh, no. That would cool. be the definition of a uh, terrible investment, actually. Great. Well, it's good to know that the Toronto Blue Jays are making terrible investments um, because oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was talking about here. Like I am, I, 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 I am so mad that it's funny. <clears throat> I was at the rink this morning um, for morning skate, whatever for the Leafs. Um, Is Chris Johnston still screaming? That's what we were talking. That's all people were talking about. Like literally like that. That's all we talked about as like the players were, were skating. It wasn't line combinations. It wasn't this, that, or the other. It was only about how stupid, not only John Schneider, because he's more of a scapegoat here, but like Guillermo Ross Martinez, Atkins. Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro. Now the good news is that their third base coach who has like seemingly ha- is blind, uh, Luis Rivera, he retired this morning. So thankfully, hopefully there won't be okay, any more. I have a question because hit I me, have been busy the last couple of weeks. Um, has John Schneider or Ross Atkins been fired at the recording of this podcast? No. That is I, unacceptable. <laughs> I, um, listen, we've been, like, I, like, until I really got in the industry of being a Toronto sports fan for my whole life, you know, big Raptors. Sprots. Like, growing up, yeah, Sprots. Growing up, love, you know, love, love the Leafs, Blue Jays, all that. Um, <clears throat> there have been a lot of really bad teams obviously have come through like keep in mind rachel and i we oh. we're, 20, we're 27 so we were born in 96 so basically our only memories like of conscious memories and i would say that starts at like age like eight or nine when we're like when you can like i was a, yeah like i'm a bit younger because i remember going to leave playoff games as like a toddler yeah but like but, but like you weren't talking about the power play back then or you weren't like uh, no i yeah. wasn't talking about yet yeah, no when you can the form sport- thoughts yeah the only sports toronto sports <clears> memory <throat> I have are of the Raptors, the Jays in the Batista years, and then obviously uh, TFC because I yeah yeah. Um, but but like what I'm saying is there've been a lot of bad Toronto sports teams. I've never hated a Toronto sports team like I've hated this this year's Jays. I hate this. What year's about Jays. like the what about like the Peter Horacek leaves? No, because no. they had Phil Kessel. <laughs> they had Phil Kessel, who was my favorite hockey player ever. But also like they were they were really expected to be bad. Like like this is this sure. team was no. like this this jays team the vibes were off from the start the like the manager can't manage the like the the star generational hitter supposedly looks clueless up at the plate Vlad 
um yeah so this is a thing right and it's not a surprise at this point like uh, my stepfather coaches elite baseball mm -hmm. um and i have i hang out with the guys on the team like i've really started to understand and do stats for baseball and, mm -hmm. and really dive deep into it because there's a ton of stats available and i'm um definitely a nerd to say it very say, to say the least yeah mm -hmm. um and just to see like my stepdad and all of these baseball guys in like the group chat getting like physically mm -hmm. mad about what's happening and they really understand like we're talking about guys who used to play professionally or who are currently playing in the ncaa like really mm -hmm. good baseball players and they're like what are you doing yeah what are you doing and even it was down to the point where one of the guys who like led our led the elite league this year in ops was like that's a terrible swing like what's up with his swing like yeah. they're talking about things like breaking down the minutiae and approaches at the plate basically the only thing that the jays did good this year the whole year was the pitching staff and what happened Pete walker can keep his job everybody yeah. else Thank you for your it's, service. It's, Goodbye. It's really funny because the only thing the Jays did well this year was pitching. Like the rotation, not only was it was the rotation Close. phenomenal, but it was healthy. Like that, like they they had like think about in the in the past, like how many times like the Jays have had a good rotation, but a guy gets hurt or you have to deal. Like, no, they had like I think they were one of only, I think it's five rotations where they had like four guys go over 150 innings in the season. Like it was phenomenal. And two of them in the Cy Young conversation. Exactly. Like, and yet, and yet, when it comes down to it, when you're literally fighting for your life and you have a guy who you paid $131 million over seven years to do this, and he's playing his former team as well in their in their stadium. You hate and you yank and, and you yank him after three shutout innings where he was dealing. Like it 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 sorry, we just had to get this out at the top of the show. We just had to talk about this, but this is not a anti-analytics because in no. baseball, if you think baseball teams aren't going to use analytics, I have a bridge to sell you. That's and, never yeah. going to happen. But it, this seems to be a case of this was a predetermined game plan, in mm. which case why are you even paying a manager? I think a guy like Don Mattingly who's already on the staff or Bruce Bochy or Gabe Kepler, who just got fired in San Francisco. They're some of the best feel managers. Even a guy like Buck Showalter, who's leaving the Mets. Mm -hmm. Like, you think about guys who have a good feel for the game. Those are those guys, right? If, if you think you're going to take out Clayton Kershaw when he's throwing a no-hitter in the seventh inning because analytics told you to, he's going to tell you to screw off and not give you the ball. Like, these mm -hmm. are things where it's like, especially in a playoff game, analytics are there to help you they're not there to be the entire answer and it seems like they were in this case and even as somebody who's a resident nerd that's not okay with me analytics are salad we've said this many many times salad. it's supposed to and be the they drank the dressing yesterday yes they drank <laughs> they freaking drank like ranch dressing yesterday and it was just insane like i don't know boggles my mind uh, this blue jays team has turned me into a boomer um, numbers are stupid. Math isn't real. And trade Nylander. That's what I like to say. Anyway, uh, whoa! Because I'm a boomer Sorry. now. I'm a boomer now. I leave now. for two weeks. I leave you unattended. And I'm a boomer now. You are Mike, Mike the boomer, Rachel the nerd. I'm I'm socially I'm socially liberal and fiscally conservative. So I'm a I boomer like now. You know, our, our, the new name of this podcast is now Boomer Plus Nerd. Yeah, boomer the boomer and nerd podcast. It sounds great. <laughs> um, all right, so. Let's get into the Pacific Division. Um, we're teeing it up 
Uh, let's start, obviously, in alphabetical order here. Let's do Anaheim. Now, they've been a team that has had a lot of conversation around them basically because of Why, their, their prior to they, – they now have one un, unsigned RFA, uh, but they used to have two with Trevor Zegris and Jamie, and, and Jamie Drysdale. Uh, there's still no contract for Jamie Drysdale, but they did get Zegris to a three-year, $5.75 million sort of bridge deal, which could – Is like, going to be a problem in three years. Yeah, if, if he, if could, he hits, it's gonna be a problem. If he hits his ceiling, if he hits his yeah. ceiling. But on top of that, they also signed Alice Kalorn to four years at six point two five million dollars. AAV. He's already out four to six weeks with I think it's a broken finger or a finger. fractured finger or something like that. Um, then they signed Radko Gudis to three years at four million per. Not great, but they did get Lassie Thompson off waivers. Um, so that's good. A lot of, uh, uh, and they also got Ilya Lubushkin, I believe as well. Um, so lots of stuff, uh, going on with Anaheim. Let's be real here though. This is still going to be a bad team. Uh, yeah, they have Olin Zellweger coming on the back end as well. And I think he is somebody that is super underrated and there is no way he should have gone in the second round. Mm -hmm. Um, I was screaming that from the rooftops when it happened because I was like, this is egregious. Um, and now he looks primed to basically step into a top four role. The Alex Kaloran contract may have been the worst contract handed out on free agency. And mm-hmm. given my audible gasp at Miles Woods deal, that should probably tell you all you need to know. Um, that Zegris deal, should we talk about that? Let's let's talk about it. What's your like you seem to have a hard hard opinions on the Zegris deal here? Yeah, so I think if you look at what Buffalo's doing, and Buffalo has been rightfully praised for how they have approached contract negotiations with their young players. You look at Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, they're approaching it the same way with Owen Power. They're going to approach it with Jack Quinn and everybody at Paterka after that. But they lock guys up right out of their ELCs or right mm-hmm. basically before they pop because they know that if they get them locked up to a long-term deal, maybe at a little bit more money, it's going to end up being a value deal for the majority of that contract. And Trevor Zegris, if you look at it, just fast forward three years, you have an Elias Pettersson situation. Elias Pettersson is going into the last year of his mm-hmm. contract and his deal is obviously $7 million and he is a better hockey player than Trevor Zegris. Do not get that twisted. Um but he's going to end up getting paid double digits. And I think Anaheim is in a situation now with Zegras where they could have probably gone eight by eight, five. And that would have been a fantastic deal for both sides. But now they've got themselves in a situation where three years from now, they they're, they've basically locked this kid up for their non contending years. And when they do need to contend, this guy's probably going to be making 11 or $12 million if he hits his ceiling. And that's a major cap problem for a team that's going to be trying to contend when you have to sign Mason McTavish and you have Troy Terry, you're going to have to sign Olin Zellweger and who knows what Jamie Drysdale is going to be worth. Like, and you have uh, Leo Carlson. Like there's just so many moving parts here that I think this is a headache that they've basically just kicked down the road. They've just, they've given themselves a headache. And the thing is, is do you want to know how much cap space? Because, okay, the, it was announced this year that the cap space, uh, that the cap is going to go up to roughly like 87 or $88 million, which would be great. Fingers crossed as always. I wouldn't trust Gary Bettman as far as I can throw him. But uh, uh, like, so so it's, let's say the cap is going to be like $88 million next year. Like the new, for the New Jersey Devils, a team that has done this, specifically with Jack Hughes, is maybe Jack the, Hughes. Most, the most prominent example. They're going to have 25 to $26 million in cap space next year without really losing too many, without really losing anyone other than like 
the only UFAs they're really going to have are like Tyler Toffoli and like Nathan Bastion, you know, like it's, it's really not a big deal. And that's because they signed those deals that you're talking about, Rachel. It's because they, they, they saw a guy who was on the upswing. Nico Heeshear. Nico Nico Heeshear's another one. Um, you know, even yes, like brought re-signing yeah. at what he re-signed at, absolutely like, fantastic. But I don't know Jack how Hughes they, is, you're right. That's the best. Jack example. Hughes is is the best. Him and Tage Thompson are the two examples, really, because yeah. it's both like we signed him right before he became an elite hockey player. Really, like he was on the up and up, and we signed him for basically max term for at, at like a number that, based on the past performance, and uh, Kale McCarr's contract is and Kale, yeah. hilarious. Yeah, although to be fair, like he signed. Like that it, at the time, it was it looked like a discount, but it was still like nine million, or whatever. This is like Tage Thompson is gonna it could potentially score fifty goals every year for the next like yeah. decade, and and he is making like what is it seven point eight or something or even less? I think it's like seven point two. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Jack Hughes is like a legitimate elite NHL center now, and he's gonna be making eight million dollars a year. He's gonna be making like if the cap goes up at this point by the end of his contract, he's gonna be making half of what pe- of what players in his position are going to be making are making. Yeah. Like he's already making almost half of what, like, like a little bit, you know, he's making like 65% of what Austin Matthews is going to make on his next deal. Really? Like he, it's, it's crazy. Um, this is, this is what you do. And with, and with Zegris, what they did is they, they had, I feel like they had an opportunity to do it. They had an opportunity to give him like a seven by seven or an eight by eight, you know? And I think based on where the cap is going up and based on where his projections are going up, that would have looked phenomenal. And look, maybe Zegers was like, hey, I know I'm going to be really good. And I'm not, and I've seen Jack who's, you know, I've seen, uh, he knows they play, they played together. They, he and Cole Caulfield just signed a massive extension. Like it's basically, he's the only one that didn't do that. Yeah. And so maybe he saw those guys was like, hey, I'm not going to get swindled here. I want to like maximize my, my deal. And that's fine. But if I'm the Anaheim Ducks and we didn't, all we heard was that they were pushing for three years, which makes no sense. You should lock this kid down. When the rumor came out that they offered him $4 million, I thought it was an error. I was like, there's no way anybody with half a brain thinks that they're getting Trevor freaking Zegers, who I understand. Okay. Like it was three to $4 million. Like it was, he's not Jack Hughes. Like, no, he's not. You can't play defense. But at the same time, when you look at, the Anaheim Ducks. You look at the val- first of all, it's not like cap space is an issue for them. They Secondly, already have 10 million right now. You look at what Trevor Zegers brings, not only on the ice, and the fact that he is in- an incredible talent to watch. He's got a like he's got a knack for just doing the most ridiculous skill stuff. Do- would we have seen any Anaheim Ducks highlights the past two years had it not been for Trevor Zegers? Absolutely not. He's also dating Dixie D'Amelio, and whether you like it or not, that has intrinsic value in California because he is going to be seen and marketed by it's Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, not to say, the same extent. It's it's but the it's the Walmart. That's version a valuable of thing. Swift. How many yeah. freaking my sister, who we both know, mm-hmm. could tell me everything I need to know about Travis Kelsey because she's dating or uh, she's dating him. She can also tell no, me who Trevor Zegers because, is. Because Taylor Swift is dating. You you made it sound like your sister's dating Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, Taylor Swift yeah. is dating Travis Kelsey. Yeah. My sister also now knows who Trevor Zegers is because he's dating Dixie D'Amelio. Mm-hmm. So to, there's different – in the same way that Connor McDavid brings value more than just on the ice from a marketing perspective, Trevor Zegers does that in Anaheim where, like, the Ducks have loyal fans, but there aren't – a lot of them because if you look around at what teams are there you have the 
Dodgers, you have the Angels who have Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so you have much. The Lakers, going on. You have the Clippers, yeah. you have the Rams, the football you have the teams, Chargers. Yeah. And like every every one of those teams has a superstar on them. You know, the, the Dodgers have about five. The Lakers, the Lakers are the Lakers. They have LeBron, Lakers, yeah. AD, all that. The Clippers have Kawhi, Paul George, Russell Westbrook. The Angels have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. The Angels aren't even like they're in Anaheim, but still they're called LA Angels. And the and the Chargers have Keenan Allen, Justin Justin Herbert. The Rams have like Coop, you know yeah Cooper Cup. The Rams Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, and now Puka Nakua, who's going to be a, a star. Um, so it's just like, it's take yeah. advantage of that kind of thing. And I think Anaheim's like a young team, like. I they have an incredible have prospect system. They have an incredible pipeline. Maybe the best. Probably in the top three in the league easily. Them, mm-hmm. Minnesota, like unbelievable. But I like I look at a guy like Mason McTavish to pop this year. I think he's somebody where he's gonna get a real run with I think eventually the top two centers are gonna be Mason McTavish and Leo Carlson, and Zegers is gonna end up moving to the wing. But that top six is gonna have Troy Terry, Mason McTavish. Trevor Zegris and Leo Carlson and whoever else they choose to put on their wings. Like those are four really talented players. And I think Mason McTavish is sort of due for a pop this year. My models got him to take almost double his production. Um, And so I think he's a guy that um, we really need to look out for, especially because we've seen like, players miss training camp like they don't come in and they're not right off the cuff ready to go it, ruined, I think maybe... it, it, it burned a year a year off of Neilander's prime straight exactly up. it burned um uh Jesper Bratt year mm-hmm. um when there was all that issue and I think that maybe not to the same extent because Zegers did come back but I think Mason McTavish should probably get the starting reps until Zegers gets up to speed and McTavish is probably going to get first PP time this year. And and I think he's, he's due for a pop. So you look at it and I think Anaheim's going to have an exciting young team. They're going to mm. be bad, but yes. they're going to be exciting. And I'm here for it because there's so much fun involved with that. What, uh, what's your opinion on Lassie Thompson? Lassie Thompson is a player that I think is now in an ideal situation in Anaheim. He wasn't in a good development situation in Ottawa. I don't think he was good enough to make the team. But I think Anaheim has a proven track record of being able to develop defensemen who haven't been able to hit elsewhere. And so I think he'll end up in San Diego. He will be able to develop in that system. And I think there's still NHL talent there, even on a, as a bottom pair guy. If they can fit him through waivers. Then he can go to I San think Diego. he'll get through waivers. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go. Oh, and we have to do our uh, our thing. Who's who's your you know your X factor? Your uh, so let's do it. Who's so my X factor? We got. Whoa, one second. So, who is who do you think could pop off slash regress on this team? That's a question I want to ask you. So, who's get, you already said Mason McTavish is going to pop off. So, who do you think is going to regress? And it's tough to say people who are going to regress because everyone was bad last year. So. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, maybe Anaheim doesn't even count from that perspective mm-hmm. because it was like everybody had regressed so far below mm-hmm. Earth's crust that there needs to be some level of rebound. Um, so what I'll say is who's going to be the biggest surprise? Ooh, biggest surprise. I am going to go with, 
Olin Zellweger. I think a lot of people are focused on Jamie Drysdale mm. and Radko Gudis and Ilya Labushkin. I think Olin Zellweger is going to make some noise and find himself in the Rookie of the Year conversation. That's how good. Wow! I think. Holy smokes! That okay? That is a hot take. I respect that. Um, all right, let's go to Calgary a team that we just spent like twenty minutes basically on on Anaheim. So Calgary, a team that basically did nothing this offseason. All they did was they they traded Tyler Toffoli away, but they got Igor Sherigovich, um, and they signed to a two-year, $3.1 million AAV contract. They extended uh, Michael Backlund and named him captain, two years, $4.5 million AAV. And sadly, Oliver Shillington is on IR again after it seemed like he was coming back. So that's a hit. Um, though, you know, the biggest change is, is the fact that they have swapped out the coach. You know, Daryl Sutter, the most toxic coach in the league before Mike Babcock, uh, I think was, uh, you know, he was swapped out. And when that happened, pretty much everyone rescinded their trade requests. The vibe apparently seems a lot better. Um, can we expect this team to bounce back? Yeah. So before I talk about Calgary, I just want to um, send like my thoughts yes. to the flames on the loss of Chris snow. And obviously the entire snow family ALS is awful. And for it to rob somebody of their life at 42 is horrendous. Um, I met Chris quite a few times just working in the NHL. He was a wonderful man. And so, yeah, I, I hope that Calgary has a good season this year on the back of playing for Snowy because he's the type of guy that really does deserve that. We talk about a lot of crappy people in hockey. Chris mm. Snow is one of the really good ones. And so um, my, I think my answer to your question is, yeah, I think Calgary can rebound this year. I was not on side with sending Dustin Wolf down to the AHL. He already won goalie of the year and was very Twice. clearly, he's very clearly better than arguably both of the NHL options. I think you obviously can't send Jacob Markstrom down, but for it's a Dustin waivers Wolf, thing. yeah, it's a, it, this is a waivers thing. Um, mm. So that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser to me. Um, I think that that leash is going to be a lot shorter this year. If Jacob Markstrom stumbles out of the gate, I think we're going to see Dustin Wolf. Um, mm. I like the, the addition of Sharon Govich. I think he's going to play a bigger yeah. role. We've already seen him score a few goals, right? That third line should come together. Um, they've got Backlund back. Pretty much everyone except Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin has their crap sorted out in terms of contract. But I think we're going to see uh, a whole different Calgary team this year. What do you, what do you think in there? Yeah, I, I just think that in this sport, vibes matter so much. Like, I know that, you know, we, we talk, we, we spent the whole Hashtag. start of the show. Exactly. But we spent the whole start of the show talking about, you know, like analytics first vibes with the Blue Jays. But last year, like, they, this was still, like, you look at the roster and you're like, this is a good team. Like, they, like, like Jonathan Huberto is a good hockey player. Nazem Kadri is a good hockey player. Elias Lindholm is a good hockey player. You know, Andrew Mangiapane, good hockey player. Michael go, Backlund. <laughs> Michael Backlund, good hockey player. I could go down the list. They have, you know, Igor Sharonovich now, a good hockey player. But it was so toxic in that workplace, so toxic in that in that facility, in that dressing room, in pretty much every building where they were. Like where it, it goes to show when you hate where you work, your work is going to suffer. And everyone yep. hated working there. And so – you swap out, not only do you swap out the GM, but you swap out, or not only do you swap out the coach, but you swap out the GM and you swap them out with, with like lifelong flames guys who are good for vibes. And at this point, I don't, I really don't care if, if Craig Conroy is a good GM or not. Like, like, like you'll have to worry about that kind of down the road, I think. But like right now, that's a, that's a tomorrow problem. As yeah. long as Craig Conroy is like a good dude and he is, and as long as he's beloved by everyone in that organization, players and staff, and he is, 
um, then that's phenomenal. And even Ryan Huska, everything that we've seen is that he that he is beloved. He was sort of like they they basically elevated the good cop, you know, on on the staff to to the main you know to police chief, if you will, um, to yeah. keep that 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 metaphor going. Keep the vibes on the rails. And it seemed it seems like they're responding really well to him. I, I'm I don't think they really needed to make a ton of moves in the off season. I mean, obviously, you would like like it was a combination of your coach was like like actively like abusing the players mentally or like playing war games with them mentally. And on top of that, your goalie couldn't make a save. And I think those two things are also related. If Jacob Markstrom returns to being like a nine, even a nine fifteen goalie, I think it you know and based on what he was last year, it's a big ask. But He's, you know, he, he was a Vesna finalist the year before. Um, I think this is, this could be a very good team that can make some noise, but this is a good division or this is like, maybe not a good division, but this is a division that has some, some heavy hitters. It has some heavy hitters in it, I'll say. Um, And so it's, they're going to be in tough, but I think Calgary can, can make some noise. This is a good team. I like it. Yeah. I I, I think I'm kind of right there with you, right? They're going to be battling for the wild card. So basically, when we when we say when we say who's gonna regress, we can talk about that in a positive sense. Who's gonna regress to the mean? Who do you think on this team is gonna regress to the mean, Rachel? Jonathan Huberto. Mm-hmm. He's not. First, he's not finishing with fifty five points again. I don't think. No, he honestly is probably. I would not be remotely surprised if Jonathan Huberto is a point a game player this year. I was going to say the exact same thing just now. I think yeah. he's going to regress positively. I think Yegor Sharangovich is going to regress positively. I think Jacob Barkstrom is going to regress positively. I think this entire Calgary Flames team is going to regress positively. Mm-hmm. Um, but it starts with Jonathan Huberto for me. Yeah, I think that I think Jacob Markstrom. I think Jacob Markstrom is going is going to like is going to regress back to the mean. I think he will be some somewhat of like a nine fifteen goaltender, and that'll give them everything they need. Um, and I think they'll eventually trade Dan Vladar. Um, to a team like Colorado, it just seems like a perfect fit because they need, you know, Franco's is still hurt. Um, and then Dustin Wolf will come up and everyone will be happy. It'll be great. Um, so yeah. And, I'm, and uh, uh, yeah. All right. The Oilers. This is the heavy hitter. This is a team that Who? the Edmonton Oilers. I've never heard of them. No, never. You know, they're, they're, never. they call themselves the city of champions. I don't know about that, but um, they didn't make a ton of like additions in the off season. Really? They really only signed Connor Brown to one-year league men, but with three point four million in, in signing bonuses, which is going to hit. Wild. I think the the um it's the like twenty games played or is, something. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like he's going to hit it. So they're going to have like a three point four million cap overage for next year. Great, um, and then like Lane Peterson uh, to two years league men doesn't AHL really matter. Depth. AHL depth, yeah, uh, and and on top of that too, Sam Gagne PTO. I like that. He likely. Like depends. He, he might not play or whatever, but love love me some Sam Gagne. I'll always root for Sam Gagne. Um, and they but- also hired a CEO of hockey operations who hasn't played for the Oilers. It's wild, it, but he did. To be fair, he like they they didn't they didn't hire someone without Oiler connections because he was Connor McDavid's agent. Honestly, um, though, if you're worried about keeping McDavid in town, that's probably the guy you want to hire. Exactly. <laughs> um, and they also hired. They also finally decided to not have just like one dude with a calculator uh, run their analytics department. They hired a, a president of analytics, which is pretty great. But I think like this Oilers team, if they don't win it this year, I don't think they ever will. Yeah. At um, least with this core. The Oilers are so terrifying. Mm. Um, like absolutely terrifying. They have a two headed monster that is obscene. And like, no matter how much regression 
any normal player would have. My model somehow predicts Connor McDavid to have more points than he did last year, which and is... how many did he finish with last year? 154. That was 150. Um, was it over 150? Yeah. Yep. 154. And my model has him at close to 160 this year, which would be disgusting. Um, and also, I looked at that. I'm like, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, I don't think he's going to score 65 goals, but I conceivably, easily, he's going to score 50. Um, so you've got him and Dreisaitl. The power play is likely to regress a little bit. Um, just, because just because it was the best in league history, basically, last year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have some candidates for regression, but I think when you are headed up by two guys who are perennial heart contenders, um, you have to be in the Stanley Cup conversation. Like, you, you have to. Yeah. You know what? I think – I'm not saying that they're – and keep in mind, this has nothing to do – this is just pure vibes and and, and boomer opinion here from me. Um, but I don't think that – I don't think they'll regress too much because – Towards the end of last season, they swapped out their power play quarterback. Um, they swapped out Tyson Berry for Evan Bouchard, and it just seemed to get better. And now they're going to have a full season of that um, with basically no personnel losses from that that crazy unit. Like everyone is the same, and they're going to have a full season of Evan Bouchard. I think they, I think, I think that power play is still going to be roughly in the same level of of lethal. When I say when I say regress, I mean it's going to regress by like four percent. Yeah, is, like you, you mean like going from like forty five percent to like forty one, which is still that's like ten yeah. or fifteen goals. Like that's a lot, but mm-hmm. it's still going to be the league's best power play. Like I, I don't that I don't really have any concerns about. If the if Edmonton's power play at any point falls below top five and McDavid and Drysaddle are healthy, you, you find a new power play coach. Like. And this sort of like just stems into our our regression to the mean or regression below whatever conversation that we've been having here with with each team. But it basically relies on whether or not Darnell Nurse can be more of the, a player that is befitting of his cap hit opposed to who he was last year. Because getting Matias Ekholm is like one of the best trade deadline acquisitions in recent memory. Like he was exactly what that team needed. Like literally, like if you created yeah. a player in a lab. To be like this is and like if it was a Tetris game, he was exactly the 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 shape that you needed to fill that slot. Um, and I just think of what that blue line because that's really the thing that's holding the Oilers back. I really think I think of what that blue line could look like if if Darnell Nurse is like a legitimate like number number even like a number three defenseman. Like that that's a game changer right there. So you Darnell Nurse is your guy to positively regress this year. Oh well, pause. If okay, here's my positively regress guy, Jack Campbell. Okay. Because I, I don't like, think he's a nice guy. I like he's a nice guy. I don't think he can be worse than what he was last year. That's why. That's it. Would be hard. Like I really like. I've, he's yeah, got nowhere I've, to go but up. So that's who I'm talking about. Regressing to the mean. I think that. Look, listen. It's never a great situation when you have a five million dollar backup goalie. Okay, signed to term. Is that but, bad? That's pretty bad. But. <laughs> If he can, if he can be a good backup goalie, regardless of what he's getting paid, that makes your that makes your life as the Edmonton Oilers so much easier. Yep, right? I agree. I think, yeah, I'm going the opposite. You've got positive regression. I've got negative regression. Um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman are primed for regression. Like I don't think anybody thinks Ryan Nugent Hopkins is scoring 100 and 
odd points this year. I don't think anyone thinks Zach Hyman's scoring 99 points this year. I think they're going to normalize around where they usually are, which is a point a game. Um, obviously, they score more because they play on the power play. But if you look at the shooting percentages, the on-ice shooting percentages, and where their chances were coming from, their individual expected goals created, scoring chances, all things that are heavily correlated to whether repeating that kind of season is is sustainable. It's possible. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's not with those guys. Like it's, I still think that they're point a game players. I don't think they're hundred point players, and that's a twenty point delta between. And that's that's a big point because if you have two players like that, that's forty extra points. Yeah. So I think I think that's going to be a uh, a bit of a, a regression. I don't think it's going to impact them in the standings whatsoever. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, are we kind of on the same page here about where Edmonton finishes? Yeah, they're they're my division crown team like I think it would be pretty disappointing if they didn't I would have liked them to get like a middle six guy like something along the lines yeah. of what of what New Jersey did with Tyler to like I would have wanted them to get someone like that I know it's tough cap wise they could barely sign you know their own their own players let alone you know someone else um but I just I look at like you said with the regression it would have been and especially because they lost Kaylor Yamamoto for nothing I would have I would have liked them to do that but hey man when you have two nuclear yeah. bombs you're good. And I think you're right with Evan Bouchard. He's a breakout candidate for me this year because he played well in the regular season. Then he popped off in the playoffs. Oh and I think that that's going to continue. He's clearly their power play one quarterback. So naturally you're going to get a ton of points when you basically just have to pass between McDavid mm-hmm. and Dreisaitl. Um, But Evan Bouchard is immensely talented and he reads the play really well. He part of the reason he got as many points as he did is was because he was really effective uh shot wise he was able to get his shots through and create rebounds or he was shooting for tips he was shooting for redirects things like that make you a solid power play quarterback if you look at what eric carlson did last year on the power play a lot of it was he was banking pucks in off guys he was making those backdoor passes and disguising them as shots and i think evan bouchard is capable of that and the last thing that this power play needs is another super talented individual um, but I think that they're going to really benefit from the replacement of Darnell Nurse on that top unit because I think Bouchard kind of just has a little bit more offensive gifts than Nurse does. And that's not a knock on Nurse. It's more speaking to how highly talented Bouchard is. I think that there's a conceivable situation where Bouchard sniffs 65 or 70 points this year. Rachel, we have breaking news on the podcast. We do? Yes. Jamie Drysdale has signed with Anaheim. Jamie, I want let's you to, go. What do you? Okay, don't check it. What do you think uh, uh, he signed for? Okay, give me a prediction uh, before I tell you what it is. I'm gonna say it's a short-term deal. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go four years. Okay. Uh, what's the AV? Three million bucks. Uh, you were close on both. It's three, uh, three years, two point three million. Okay. So we have Jamie Drysdale. We just talked about, about him. He is now signed. Anaheim has their, their young guy locked in. Three years, 2.3, a deal that could look pretty good. Uh, obviously, Congratulations your kid, another- to Jamie. Uh, yeah. that's, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, really, really thrilled for him. I think he's somebody that um, maybe gets a little bit forgotten about in Anaheim's young players. He hasn't developed maybe as quickly as they want. I think he's maybe 
the only defenseman they made a mistake with and maybe putting him in the lineup too early. But I think now if he can play with a guy like Radko Gudis, um, that's going to really stabilize the back end. Uh, really, really happy for Jamie. That's that's great stuff. Yeah. And I think that, that if, if he can hit where he needs to go, like I'd say two years of that deal, like the final two years, they're going to be pretty yeah. good in terms of uh, yep. uh, in term, in terms of value. But then... So what you're saying is Anaheim kicked the can down the road. Three years. I, yeah. Yeah. Both <laughs> these guys will still be RFAs. Uh, they will be they will be UFAs or, or, or they will be RFAs at the same time again. Um, yeah. Anyway, just we had break. I'm glad we could get that on the podcast um, because it happened right in the middle of it. Good to know. All right, let's go to the Kings, a team that I want to peg as being like the Oilers' biggest competition. But then I look at net, like where they are in net, and I just can't do it. But the Los Angeles Kings are a very good team. They they uh, resigned or they they traded for and then signed uh, Pierre Luc Dubois to eight times eight point five, um, so that gives them potentially the the three most at least maybe even if not like the strongest but the three most annoying centers to play against in Andre Kopitar, Pierre Luc Dubois, and Philippe Deneau, uh, which is a, oh, yeah. a just an absolute nightmare to play in the playoffs. Like those are. I would die if I had to play them in a, in a seven-game series. Two are and, woolly mammoths, and the other one yeah. is one of the best defensive centers in the league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then they also re-signed Vlad Gavrikov, who just fit in so well uh, with them throughout the rest of the year. Like He fit in really well uh, with them, and only, it was low-term to two times uh, 8.75 million per. So, hey, even if it doesn't work out super great, it's only two years. Um, then it could be someone else's problem. Just a shade under six, yeah. Yeah. That's good. And then obviously they their goalies uh, that they signed was Cam Talbot, um, the ghost of Cam Talbot, I like to say, for one times one. Um, and then Dave Riddick, uh, Riddick to one times eight, seven, five. So their goalies really, uh, th- who they have to choose from are an aging Cam Talbot, um, David Riddick and Phoenix Copley. Not ideal, but the rest of their roster is pretty solid. Yeah, that's scary. Um mm. I, I love their center depth. I think it's it's great. Um, especially, I mean, Anze Kopitar has been in the Selkie conversation for years. Um, so you look at him, you look at Philippe Deneau, those are two high-end two-way centers. And that really frees Pierre-Luc Dubois up because, frankly, he has now no excuse not to put up a point a game because he doesn't have defensive responsibilities anymore to the same degree that he had in Winnipeg and in Columbus because there are two elite two-way centers on his team that are probably going to draw the more difficult matchups in terms of shutting opponents down. And so I think it's fair to expect, and if you're making 8-5, this is the expectation, you have to be a a point-a-game player. Um, And so I think that that addition, I mean, they lose Aya follow. Um, I really like Rasmus Kupari, and we'll talk about the Jets when we do their breakdown. But mm-hmm. um, I liked this trade for for both teams, and I think Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be a great fit in L.A. Um, that goaltending, though, I think you aptly pointed it out. Like, Cam Talbot hasn't been good for a few years. David Riddick has never been a starting goalie and can't be relied upon. And Phoenix Copley is completely unproven. He had a great spell last year, but... I mean, how many times have we seen excellent goalies dry up after a couple of years or have a down year? Like, that's that's something that's a distinct possibility. And so I think when you look at it, they're going to get Brant Clark in the lineup. He's going to play yep. a regular shift. I think he's going to be really good. He's somebody I would look to play with Gavrikov because Gavrikov's nice and steady and it yes. can allow Clark to sort of settle in. 
Um, then you've got Drew Doughty and whoever you want to play with him, uh, whether it's Mikey Anderson or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, like I think LA, um, they're a big team. They're fast. They've got young pieces with Quinton Byfield uh, as well. Um, there's some interesting uh, – LA is an interesting team. They're going to be fun to watch this year. They are. It's, it's the goaltending that, that starts me up. Everything else I love about them, it's just the goaltending that makes me so so uneasy. You know, like it's – I love their forwards. I love their defense, even though they got rid of, you know, like Sean Walker and and, and uh, uh, John Dersey as well, I guess. Um, uh, like, like I love it, and yet it just makes me so – like I just think of – can Cam Talbot or Phoenix Copley or David Riddich, um, you know, if they can, you know, hold up in a, in a playoff series. And I go, no, they can't, especially if they'll, because they will likely be stopping shots from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And that will be shooting fish in a barrel. Um, speaking of bad teams, um, the San Jose Sharks, a team that is actively <laughs> trying to be the worst team in the league. This might be one of the worst teams we've seen in a very long time. Their off season was getting Anthony Duclair. Uh, he has one year, three million left. They I like signed, that move. Yes, I do. But they signed Giovanni Smith, uh, two years, eight hundred k. They got Mackenzie Blackwood for two years, two point three five. They took a they took a shot on Philip Zadina, who spoiler alert is my regression candidate, regression to the mean that is um, at, at one times one point one. And then based on the Eric Carlson trade, because they did get rid of their hundred point you know reigning Norris Trophy defenseman, um, they got Michael Granlund, who in my opinion is one of the worst contracts in the league at two years, five mil left. They got Mike Hoffman, one year, four point five, and Jan Ruda two years 2.75 million left um and they also got emberson or Emerson off waivers so and they is- got henry thrun at the yes. end of last year and mm-hmm. i'm a henry thrun stand from He's like good. day one yeah i like henry thrun a lot but this is going to be a bad team this uh, is going to be rough that's being really kind um and you know what at least if you're gonna tank do it properly and they did there's no sense in tanking when you have a hundred def- point norris trophy defenseman on your team like don't do that Mm-hmm. You need your young players to play. Thomas Bordalo, he needs to play. Will Smith needs to do a year in college. He needs to play. Like you need to make room. And I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw guys like Thomas Hurdle or Logan Couture uh, get traded. Timo Meyer was traded last year. Um, I like the addition of Anthony Duclair. I think he is going to provide some scoring. Mike Hoffman, because he's going to play in a scoring role since nobody else really can, is going to get some time there. Um you look at kind of what's happening in San Jose and it's like, okay, they're trying to tank and they're doing a good job. They took on Michael Granlin's absolutely horrendous contract, but they're not going to be good for the two years that they have him. So, I mean, Hey, what that's good job. Perfect. Fine. Um, So yeah, like I think this is, this is sort of a case of um, they're going after Macklin Celebrini or Cole Iserman or Ivan Demidov. That's what's happening here. They want, you know, like, like Bay area, like local Mac and Celebrini, they want him in, they want him there. His dad, I believe still works for the, uh, the golden state warriors. Um, so that is, Does he? That, I thought Macklin Celebrini is a Vancouver kid with Bedard. Yeah. But his, but his dad works for the golden state warriors and he was a San oh. Jose junior shark growing up. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the, yeah. No. The, and now I'm cheering for that. Yeah, I am so cheering for that. The narrative is, is coming together. So that's that's big. Yeah, but this is going to be a bad team. Like, I really don't even think it's worth talking even much more about them just because, like, I will be say bad. is a guy uh, who deserves maybe a little bit more attention than he's gotten and mm-hmm. who I think will sort of get that this year is Mario Ferraro. Um, he's great. 
Yeah, I think he's going to step in to full-time Eric Carlson's PP minutes. Um, we saw him do that last year when Carlson um, was like in a rut or ha- had a downturn. He would step up um, and play on that power play. And I think he's shown, even on PP2, he can do that. Um, and it wasn't that like Carlson got in a rut a lot last year. Um, but there were points where he, I don't know, overtired, whatever the case may be, and Ferraro got PP1 reps. Um, I, I like Mario Ferrara. I think he moves the puck well. I think he sees the ice well. And I think he understands that there are talented players up front, whether it's Hoffman, Duclair, Hurdle, Couture, who can shoot the puck. And he's going to be really good at sort of being that facilitator. So I think he's, if you're going to watch anybody who isn't a youngin on San Jose, I think Mario Ferrara is the guy. Cause I think even come trade deadline, he's going to have some value. Terrific. All right, let's move on to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, who made some, they, they sort of like, uh, you know, trimmed around the edges, if you will. They got Brian Dumoulin, two years, 3.15 mil. Uh, they got Kaylor Yamamoto, uh, one year, 1.5. And Pierre um, Edward Belmar, one uh, times 7.75. What do we think of the Seattle Kraken coming off their first uh, playoff appearance and also playoff round victory um, in franchise history in just their second year of existence? I love everything the Kraken are doing from Mm. the off ice, like net zero stuff to the Jerry Bruckheimer marketing machine to building through the draft, finding value, um, not overpaying for players. I, I really like everything Seattle's doing. Um, They were obviously very buoyed by Philip Grubauer in the playoffs, turning into basically Patrick Waugh. I think that that probably regresses. But I like the addition of Kaylor Yamamoto. I think he's he's from out there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he played his junior hockey out in Seattle or Everett, something like that, like out there. Um, so he's familiar and he's going to be motivated. I like Belmar. He's been a really great fourth line guy um, the past number of years um, on a lot of winning teams. You look at like Tampa Bay, Colorado, like he's, he's played in some really good programs. I think he's going to be a really good presence there. But Seattle, generally speaking, controls the run of play. I think Matty Beniers is going to take another step in an, in the two-way conversation. He's going to find himself in the Selkie conversation in the not-too-distant future. I'm interested to see what happens with Shane Wright. Um, kind of wonder what happens there because he looked good um, in in the AHL playoffs. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple really interesting storylines here, but I, I wonder, um, it, is there a bit of a letdown? Um how good is Burakovsky going to be? How good is Jaden Schwartz going to be? All of these are legitimate questions. They lost Daniel Sprong and he scored 20 goals for them last year. Um, so I think that there's there's a lot of moving parts here, but I really like what Seattle's doing, generally speaking. I think they're going to battle for the wild card. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to do the same. I think they're basically going to do the exact same thing they did last year. But, like, you know, it, you're going to see steps forward from from Beniers. Um you know, I, hopefully their goaltending is a little bit better because the fact they were able to get as far as they did last year with the tandem of, with basically with Martin Jones as their starting goalie for a lot of the year because yeah. Grubauer was hurt. And then when Grubauer was back, like he was a sub 900 goalie. Like it was. And, it was, and then the playoffs happened. Playoffs happened. It was great. Um, you know, it goes, goes to show spite is the best, uh, the best motivator. He played his former team. Boom. There yep. you go. But uh, I, I love like th- this is a team that I will always be cheering for. Like they, they seem to do 100%. it the right way. Um, they're this plucky upstart team that happens to be funded by like the most successful producer in Hollywood in like all years, but still um, I love it. 
and I, I hope they can do well. In terms of players who I think are going to regress back, I mean, I do think I do see more from Phil Grubauer this year. I think he's going to yeah. be. I think at the very least, this is where the bar is at with him now. I think he'll be over nine hundred by the end of the season. Fair I enough. I think we're probably going to see some level of regression with Vince Dunn. I don't think it's going to be big, but I think we're yeah. going to see some level of regression because he was for I mean, that. He was their leading scorer was, last year. Yeah, it, it, that mm-hmm. simply cannot be the case on a contending team. Do we so think I Jeremy Sands going to be a 40-goal scorer as well no. next year? Yeah. I think his goal total probably... Starts at the two? Gets, yeah, it's like in the mid... Yeah, like I would mm-hmm. say my model has him projected between 25 and 29. So that's his most likely outcome. I think that's a pretty fair outcome for Jared McCann. You're making $5 um, million a year. You take that every day. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely, you would. And so I think you look at this and you go, okay, I really like Seattle. Like you pointed out, their style of play, they're plucky, this upstart team. They forecheck really well. They, um, they've they got like some fun aspects to their game. They've got a lot of young, entertaining, talented players. Um, but I do think like expecting McCann to score 40 again, expecting Dunn to put up the point totals that he did, I think is um, a little bit much. But I do still think they're going to be excellent players for them. Fantastic. All right. The Canucks, they got Bluger, Susie, uh, one times 1.9, Carson Susie, three times 3.25, Ian Cole, one times three, Matt Irwin, one times 7.75, P.S. Sutter, two, uh, two years, 1.6 mil, and Casey DeSmith, one year, 1.8 mil left on his deal. This is still going to be a team that is that like at best is the last wild card spot and at worst could crater. Um, I don't know, man. This is a tough team to uh, to to have faith in, really. It's it's the worst kept secret uh, in hockey. Vancouver's success relies extraordinarily heavily on Demko. Um, yeah. Because if Casey DeSmith is your starting goaltender, uh, you've got some freaking problems. I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins last year with their goaltending issues. It cost them a playoff spot with between him and Jari. So that's going to be an issue. Demko mm-hmm. needs to stay healthy. The biggest story, I loved the addition of Teddy Bluger. I think really highly of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the shot on even Pia Suter. Um, as long as it doesn't come at the expense of Nils Hoaglander minutes, because you have to play Nils Hoaglander and Vasily Podkols, and they have to take a step, and they can't take a step if you're constantly playing them in the bottom six. Um, so I think that there's an opportunity there for some younger players to take a big step. Um, you've got Quinn Hughes as the captain. I think he probably puts up like the model has him in the seventies this year for point mm-hmm. totals, um, which is not even remotely out of the realm of possibility for him. He's so talented. The biggest question mark is Elias Pettersson. Um, is he going to resign? And if he doesn't, are they trading him? Because if he walks for nothing, that's, that's yeah. a problem. And he's going to be an RFA. So he can't walk next summer, but he can do what Matthew Kachuk did and basically say, I'm accepting my QO and I'm not resigning here. And I think a lot of it, I mean, if you listen to him on the 32 Thoughts podcast, he talks about how a lot of it hinges on winning. And so I think the Canucks are going to kind of, they're kind of in a spot where they should be rebuilding. And but they can't. They should, they should be, but they can't because of the position they've put themselves in. And so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Elias Pettersson. But a lot of the Canucks' success, in, in fact, almost all of it really hinges on Thatcher Debko. Yeah. In terms of players who are going to regress, I mean, he was already having a good year um, before he got hurt. So I'll say regress in terms of health. Uh, Philip Ronick, uh, as much as I don't think they should have traded a first round pick based on where they are. Um, two. <laughs> or two, yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that that Philip Ronick, uh 
as right now, you know, he's a 25 year old right shot defenseman who's very good. And I think that's yes. someone. Excellent. And the fact that they don't have Oliver Ekman Larson playing in like the top four anymore, I think is going to help them a lot. So, yeah, yeah. And they didn't trade two first round picks for him, but they got a first round pick in the Horvat deal. So they had two firsts in this draft mm. and then opted instead of drafting to trade it. And I think everyone kind of at the time was like, eyebrow, what are you yes. doing? Um, but like you said, Philip Hronik is a good defenseman. Um, and so I think it's going to be more balanced with Quinn on one pairing and Heronic on another. Um, I still think Tyler Myers gets moved because he's as a big hulking right-handed defenseman who's had his bonus paid. He's going to have some value around the league. You know how that stuff works. Um, and should Vancouver be out of the playoffs? Like if I look at this and I go, if Thatcher Demko gets hurt the next day, I'm trading bodies out because we need to be able to have a shot at Demidov, Celebrini, Iserman, whatever the case may be. Um, I think Elias Pettersson is going to be in the Selkie conversation this year. I really do. Um, I He's so good. He is – I know he got talked about a lot last year. He didn't get talked about enough. Like his season, 99 points, best two-way center in probably that division. Um, and he managed to put up good defensive numbers on a team that could not defend to save its life. Like that's pretty incredible. Um, and so I think he's going to have a big year. I think Quinn's going to have a big year and it kind of all hinges on, on their core three, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then finally we got the defending champs and really the only thing they did this off season was re-sign Aiden Hill to two years, 4.9 mil. They obviously had, had to get rid of a couple guys due to cap reasons. The most, I, I would say notable being uh, Riley Smith, trade him for a third rounder but that was basically that they have to get under the cap he's making five mil um this is uh this is a team that this this is a team that i think is going to make noise in the playoffs if they can make it because this is a team that that is old and beat up but once once the games matter once the game started to matter in the playoffs this is a team that can turn it on and we saw that yeah i think jack eichel's performance in the playoffs was stupendous it was absolutely unbelievable um and you look at that Jack Eichel's proven he can play in the regular season. I'm not even going to be remotely shocked if he puts up 90 points this year. Um, Mark Stone, hopefully he can stay healthy. Jonathan Marcheseau was fantastic. Shea Theodore is what, like if, if Canada were to go to the Olympics this year, let's say the Olympics were happening, Shea Theodore would be on Team Canada. He is that good and he just does not get talked about. And I look at that and I go, this is like, they're led. They've got two studs on the blue line with Petrangelo and Shea Theodore. And if, as long as Vegas continues to defend the, the system that Bruce Cassidy plays is really conducive to the types of players Vegas has. And if they can continue to execute that defensive system, they're going to be hard to beat, especially over a seven game series in the playoffs. Um, I have them second in the division. I think that mm-hmm. they're really? above yeah, LA. I have wow. them above LA. I think that, I think it could go either way. Like Edmonton to me is clearly the best team, obviously Mm -hmm. barring catastrophic injury. I think LA and Vegas will battle it out for spots two and three. Um, And then ultimately I think Vegas will beat them out in the playoffs. One goaltending and two, Mm -hmm. um, they just have better up and down um, depth, right? If you look at it, you got Mike Amadio, Brett Howden, uh, guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Waugh. Um, there's just so much. And even that, like Logan Thompson was in the rookie of the year conversation before he got hurt. So you've got a tandem of Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. And mm-hmm. I think they're going to be best if they do a one, a one B situation, Absolutely. kind of like Halak and Rask did. Mm-hmm. 
um, or Swayman and Olmark last year. Um, go, I don't know, go 55, 35 or whatever. Like, yeah. Figure and, something and out to get keep hurt. them rested. Exactly. Like, um, like they've Vegas... got some young guys too, right? They've got Brendan Brisson who may or may not get a few games. Pavel Dorofeyev, Daniil Cheka. Like there's just mm-hmm. so many um, options that they have. And it seems like, like we were both in Vegas when they won. Yes. But it seems when you're around Vegas, there is a close knit, like those guys are, a, uh, they're a team. They're a brotherhood, man. That's they a love team. each other. Yeah. yeah. It's not a bunch of really talented players that hasn't figured out how to do anything. Those guys are playing for each other. And you could really tell like the looks on those guys' faces when you would ask them like, how happy are you for Jack to win the cup after everything he's been through? They were beaming with pride to talk about that. Like Phil Kessel, the same thing. And he's not even on Vegas anymore, but he had great things to say about how that team has really like come together and they still have their core. And so I think as long as that remains and you don't obviously get an injury to um, a Jack Eichel or a, a Shea Theodore, I still think that they're a top three team in that division. Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I, I would say as well. I mean, look, uh, covering for them from like for that whole series uh, in the cup final, like that team loves each other. And they and they we talk about like culture and like buying in every player is bought in to where they are. Like there's every, every player is, is bought into to what their role is going to be. So I believe in them. Um, all right, Rachel, before we head out, let's do our rankings. Give me your rankings. All right. I'm doing uh, Edmonton first, Vegas second. LA third, Calgary fourth, Seattle fifth, Vancouver sixth, Anaheim seventh, San Jose eighth. What I will say is if there's a surprise team in this division, it's going to be the Ducks. Wow. Okay. Well, my mine are pretty much exactly the same as yours, except I'm swapping uh I'm swapping Vegas and LA. I think I think LA will finish second and I think Vegas will finish third. Okay. There we go. All right. Very cool. Well, that brings us to the end of our Pacific division preview. Um, we will finish off obviously with, with the, the central and then we'll be ready to rock for opening night. So all of you stay safe until then. We have a lot of announcements coming up soon. So obviously stay tuned for that. Uh, this is our really the last show before we, we hit a new era in the pod. Um, so enjoy it while it lasts because we are going to be around for a very long time. Um, so on that note, Enjoy, enjoy your day and we will see you next week.